DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Our spring football tour continues now with Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com, covering Oregon State football on the 24-7 Sports Network. Angie joins us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Angie, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. So before we get into some of the specifics about Oregon State football, uh, do you think Oregon State has moved firmly out of the bottom of the league to the middle of the league, or that's a goal for the next year or two? Progress has been made, but not there yet. Yeah, I think think that's the, the... The progress is made, and, and they're moving toward that goal. Um, I mean, they're definitely they can compete now with anybody, um, you know, in the middle to the upper middle half. But um, as far as you know, getting over that hump, we, we saw them get close so many times last year. They they won a couple of those close ones. They lost a couple of those close ones. So um, you know, getting over that hump is is the goal this year. Yeah, and they did get better. There's no question about it. I think if they would have been even better, I think your quarterback, Luton, would have got a ton of publicity. I always thought he was underrated, and I was glad to see that Jacksonville picked him up in the sixth round, I think it was. And so he's gone now. What's going to be the situation at quarterback this season? Yeah, you know, Oregon State um, really is, you know, most likely, my my guess is going to be Tristan Jebbia. He was the four-star out of Calabasas, California, signed with Nebraska when Coach Riley was there, um, and then transferred two years ago um, to Oregon State. So I really think it's Tristan Jebbia's job to lose. We saw him in the Civil War this past year when when Jake Luton couldn't go. But there is somewhat of of a battle. You know, I think the coaches might blow that up a little more than maybe it really has to be. But they went off in the offseason and grabbed a one of the top JUCO quarterback, quarterbacks in the country and Chance Nolan. And then they have a freshman by the name of Ben Goldbranson who actually enrolled early. We saw him, you know, the four days of practice at Oregon State was able to get in in March. And I really liked what we saw from him. Um, pretty highly rated kid, like as a sophomore junior, committed to Cal, suffered a knee injury, and Cal dropped him. So he fought his way back. And like I said, I really liked what we saw from him. But I think ideally you want to redshirt him. For, for the season. Uh, it was kind of a two-headed monster at running back with Pearson Jefferson, and, and they combined for over 1,500 yards rushing, which is good and probably explains the four conference wins. Which, uh, had a running game you could lean on and count on. But Pierce is gone now off the, I think it was the Bears. Uh, Jefferson's back, is, so is, is Jamar Jefferson the guy, or will it be a two-headed monster? And if so, who else is coming in that can get some carries? Yeah, I mean, Jamar Jefferson, I mean, I loved that, that duo of, of uh, AP and, and Jefferson, just because they were such different running styles. But Jefferson was really hampered by some injuries last year. So we really saw a lot more of AP um, than maybe we would have, you know, ideally. So Jamar now is completely he- healthy. I see him being the guy. However, there's a guy, B.J. Baylor, who he, he wowed us last spring. So a year ago spring, he was really kind of stepping up his game. And I really see him being kind of that goat, that, that number two guy that's going to be sharing carries. You know, Oregon State isn't looking for a guy to carry, carry the load the full time. So whereas Jamar might be the featured running back, look for B.J. Baylor um, to be right in that mix too and, and see a lot of carries. 
As I look at the defensive side of the ball, you know, they lost a few guys. Uh, got most of the guys, as far as I can figure out, and correct me if I'm wrong, coming back. As I analyze it and look for the top players, uh, am I correct in going with Omar Spates as inside linebacker as being the best? Uh, I, I would say he's one of, but I wouldn't um, overlook Camel Rashid, who uh, led the nation in sacks and tackles for loss this past year. So um, he's back as a senior outside linebacker. Omar Spates is an inside linebacker. So um, both those guys, um, you know, the Beavers defense will be, you know, locked down by that by that linebacking group. But Hamilka and uh, Omar are your two that you're going to be watching. So I look at the scores and I see a 52-36 loss to Oklahoma State, 54-53 to Washington State. But I see a 56-38 win over Arizona and 35-34 over ASU. And 48-31 over UCLA. These were all shootouts. High-scoring games, giving up a lot of points. Assuming the defense, and there's still some questions there, the quarterback's gone, two of the top three receivers are gone. Are are we looking at a lot more high-scoring games, or is there something that's going to change on this roster that's going to prevent that, and maybe it's the passing game? Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because, yeah, Oregon State with, with Jake Luton at quarterback and you had Isaiah Hodgins then, um, I mean, it was. They were shootouts. But um, the defense improved a ton. I mean, this was a defense two years ago that was one of the worst in the entire country in, sub, like, every major statistical category. So they took big strides last year, but they still were giving up way too many points. And I really hope, and, and I think Beaver fans hope that this year – under the second-year coach, uh, DB coach and Blue Adams, that that secondary takes the next stride. Because that was really, you know, that back end is really where Beaver, the Beavers have struggled the past couple, several years. So if they can take a step there, um, you know, this is a group that when you look back and you dig in, the defensive backs have had some of these players that have played five years in the system have had five different position, position coaches. It's just been huge turnover with the coaching change and then just turnover with that defensive back coaching position. So, um Lou Adams is in his second year um, talking to players, talking to him just this week, just having that second year, the familiarity, these guys feel so much more confident. So I think that's really the key for Oregon State to have a, you know, to stop more teams on offense. Yeah, that's a, that's a little concerning, particularly in this conference, because I've always said, you know, and I went to ASU, I've been following the conference for years, that this conference always seems to have big-time receivers, even guys who aren't necessarily on great teams. You know, you take a look at Cooks back in the day for Oregon State. Obviously, he's been playing in the NFL for a number of years, and I can go on and on. ASU's had uh, first-round draft picks the last couple years. And so you speak of that back end, uh, would you say that would be a weakness? Because I know they're losing a couple guys in Wilson and Moore. Yeah, um, I, I I don't want to say it's going to be better, but um, you know the, the guys that they have. You know, you, you look at David Morris is 100 percent healthy at safety. The cornerbacks they went really heavy with the JUCO guys this, this past offseason. Five they signed five junior college defensive backs. Coach Adams not only played in the NFL, he coached um, several years with the Miami Dolphins, so he has a, a definite ideal of what he wants his DBs to look like, especially at corner, and he wanted more length. That's what he did, went out and got with these junior junior college players. He got length, and that's something I think in the Pac-12 especially that you need to, to combat some of those big, rangy receivers that, that play in the league. So a matter of how fast those guys can get up to speed, but yeah, I, I just see that back end as being the key, really, for how this season goes for Oregon State. I, you know, Offensively, I think Whoever's the quarterback, it's it's a system that they're going to put up some points. They have they have some faster receivers this year. Um, 
the offensive line is a little bit of a question mark just because they've lost three starters there. But, um, you know, Coach Mahalachek is one of the best offensive line coaches in the conference. So I, I think there's some hope there. But you really, it, it, the season, I think, goes how the defensive backs go and how that back end plays. If they can stop some teams and, and stop the, the bleeding that some of those big high-scoring games, then I think the Beavers will improve quite a lot. Opening with uh, Oklahoma State on the road, is that a good plan for Oregon State? Looking ahead, it looks like they've tried to schedule a little lighter in the future. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you have to look back, though. I mean, this is this is just the, it was a two two game home and home. So Oklahoma State, you know, came to Oregon came to Research Stadium last year. So this is just the the back end of that. Um, so I, I, that's the scheduling strategy. You know, back in the past, Oregon State had um, an athletic director that scheduled a lot of the body bag games. Oregon State, you know, had traveled to Ohio State. They traveled to LSU. They've done the TCU um, in the Cowboys Stadium. There's been several of those big, you know, payday games. Um, but to have, you know, when this game was scheduled, you were thinking, you know, if you're the athletic director, you're looking, this would be Gary Anderson's fifth year in the program. So I think you're, you're looking at that thinking, okay, you know, you should have the the program going, and and it's a, a pretty good matchup against a you know mid mid to upper mid level, you know Big Twelve team. So nobody could have ever expected Gary Anderson to you know quit on the team midway through the season. So um, back in in 2017. So that's unfortunate, but I think you know if Oregon State wants to get better, they're going to have to play some of the better opponents. I've always felt in some of these places like Corvallis. It's good to have one of your own who understands. You know, I think that you can go in the Bay Area and up in Seattle and down in L.A. and maybe even down the road a little bit in Eugene because of the enormity of the program. You could bring in an outsider, and he won't necessarily miss a beat as far as recruiting and building a program. But a place like Salt Lake and and Carvallis needs one of their own. How important was it for them to get Smith in there, who obviously is one of their own? Yeah, I, you know, it was, it was an interesting hire at the time because, you know, this is Jonathan Smith's first ho- uh, head coaching job. So I think there was some question about, you know, him being able to, you know, it, it's a big job. You know, you're going from an offensive coordinator in the Pac-12 to a, a head coach, but he has not missed a beat. He's hired some really good people around him that, that know, um, you know, kind of can handle that back-end stuff as far as, you know, all the director of, you know, chief of staff and all of that. So, um it's been huge, you know, for him to be able to go out into living rooms and say, you know, I've been here, we've done it. You know, Jonathan Smith was the quarterback back when Oregon State beat Notre Dame and finished fourth in the country. So um, for him to be able to give authenticity, uh, he has, you know, Trent Bray is another player who played at Oregon State as his linebacker coach. Jim Mahalachek was on Dennis Erickson's staff back uh, in that Fiesta Bowl team, so he's familiar with Corvallis. So um, to have those players... Um, and then, you know, he's surrounded himself internally with a few guys that, you know, have played at Oregon State in in recruiting role, and as far as in recruiting roles. So you have James Rogers and Mike Doctor that are helping the, the program from inside. So um, it gives it that family feel that it had lost there for a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see players really responding and, and recruits responding as well. You know, Oregon is just such a beast. Do they just suck up all the oxygen, you know, donors, fans? I mean, are there people going to Oregon State and alumni go to Oregon State who root for Oregon just because they win so much? I'm wondering how much of an island Oregon State is really on when there's a big dog right down the street. 
No, absolutely not. I mean, if, 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 a, if a Oregon State booster, it, it's such a huge rivalry. Um, you know, Oregon has a huge booster in Phil Knight, but, um, you know, Oregon State has very loyal booster. And, um, no, they haven't lost Beaver fans to Oregon. In fact, it might be one of the biggest heated, hated rivalries in, in all of, you know, the, the Northwest, at least, and, and probably the Pac-12, because I think you talk to Oregon State fans and boosters, and there's that... Um, mentality of they're doing Oregon State's doing it as a group, and uh, they don't have a, a team owner per se that's that's just you know doing everything for them. Nobody on the headsets, huh? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Oregon State does not have the team owner on the headset. Angie, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Take take, take care, guys. Angie Machado, publisher of BeaverBlitz.com, covering Oregon State football. The team owner, you like that. You get something in common with Oregon State people. Nope, they don't have the team owner on the headphones. Team owner. Well, two things there is that she called out Gary Anderson recruiting on the team, and then secondly, multiple references to the team owner. Yeah, well, I'm not the only one who... uh, sort of has that under his or her skin, obviously her in this woman's case. Oregon yeah, is just real. basically a hooker. Yeah, absolutely is real. <laughs> <laughs> they are. <laughs> They're bought and paid for by Phil Knight. I mean, he's on the headsets. And I told you when they had uh, the new coordinator, I saw a picture, and there he was shaking Phil Knight's hand. And Phil Knight wasn't even standing up. He's sitting down. He didn't even bother to stand up. <laughs> DJ and PK coming up next. BYU gets one of their, well, I, I think least surprising commits, but I don't know. Maybe it was, maybe it was tougher than we know. We'll find out. Andy Toulson, former BYU basketball star, former jazz player, dad of BYU hoops commit Tanner Toulson. Andy joins us next. Stay with us. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280, the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. NBA teams will withhold more than $30 million from player paychecks today as players receive their first salary reduction since the league and union agreed to a plan to temporarily cut pay by 25%. Utah forward Booth Gotch will reportedly transfer from the University of Utah basketball program if he ultimately decides to remove his name from the upcoming NBA draft. Gotch is not in the NCAA transfer portal as of this morning, but it could come at any time. Larry Kristoviak saying, we've been very supportive of Booth entering the NBA draft to obtain valuable evaluations from team personnel these past two months, so this comes as a surprise to myself and our staff after learning of Booth's intentions to transfer. Oklahoma football coach Lincoln Riley said Thursday any talk of bringing players back to campus in a matter of weeks is too soon. All the talk about these schools wanting to bring back players on June 1 is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of, Riley said in a Zoom chat with reporters. we got to be patient. We have one good shot at it. Top of the Wire brought to you by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
Hey, PK. Yes. Did you feel the earthquake? No. Apparently, Nevada had a 6.4 earthquake that was felt from Salt Lake City to San Francisco. And I got to say, in the last couple days, I think I have felt earthquakes a couple times. Now, maybe they were aftershocks. But the 6.4 was at like 4.03 in the morning. I know nothing about that. Right. (laughs) I don't know why people do. But Yach says he's up. You're up, Yach. You're a beast. Beast! Figured you might have been up just because you don't sleep all that well. I was sleeping at that point. I read it this morning when I got up and checked what was going on. They said it was centered at Atonapah, which I think is western Nevada, right? Yeah, that's what they said. I, I don't know that I've ever – I've been around Nevada a little more than I would have ever guessed I would be, but I don't – I've got to think if I've been to Tonopah. I don't, I don't know that I have. I'm guessing no. I've got I to see it and see if I uh, blew through it at some point. No, I missed it. I, I wasn't. I was pretty close to it once, but it's yeah, it's uh, north of Vegas and kind of uh, due east of Yosemite National Park. So there's not much reason to go through there. I, yes, I guess if you went on uh, six and ninety five across the state, then then you could. I was in, I was in Hawthorne, Nevada once on my way to Yosemite, but I, I went a long way on eighty and dropped down, so I didn't I didn't go through Tonopah. I've never been there. I, Cool. Yeah. DJ and PK, it's time to talk basketball right now with Andy Toulson, former BYU basketball star, dad of the new BYU Hoops commit, Tanner Toulson. Andy, good morning. Good morning, guys. So, Andy, just from a distance, I would assume that this was a complete and total slam dunk. Was there more doubt than I know? What was the process like? Did Tanner look at other places, or was he, you know, the son of a Cougar star who was always going to be a Cougar? No, definitely. Uh, there was he was very interested in other places, and you know we didn't know BYU was really going to be interested or recruit him until uh, really about a couple months ago. And uh, you know, if you'd asked me a month ago, I probably told you he was going to lean in towards some, going somewhere else. But um, you know, when it got right down to it, once they offered about a month ago, and they were in close contact with him the last three or four weeks, and. Um, you know, I, I really tried to stay pretty neutral and indifferent. Just told him I'm going to support him wherever he wants to go because it's his life. You know, he's, he's the one that's got to get up and go to practice and do everything every day. And and uh, but my wife and his siblings didn't didn't feel the same way. They were letting him know where they thought he should go. And and uh, so no, I, he he really did consider strongly consider going to a few other places, and and they were great. Um, but when it came down to it, I, I think that, uh, you know, all the ties he's had to BYU since a little kid, I think that kind of came into play. And, and uh, you know, once he felt like they, they wanted him, I felt like that that uh, helped him make his decision. I'm always interested in a case like this because you look at Mark Pope, who's done a phenomenal job. He's a guy who grew up in Washington, played in Kentucky, coached at the other side of the country, played in the NBA. So he's got a lot of varied experiences. And we had him on the radio last month, and he was even talking about how he's heard from recruits that they've been told, hey, I'm just passing through Provo because he doesn't have any specific ties to Provo. So in a case of your son, as he's making his decision, how much is he committing to a school versus committing to a coach? 
Well, I, I think it's got to be a combination. Um, I, you know, I told him over these past three or four weeks, I said, you know, take basketball out of it. Where do you want to go to school? Where do you want to get your education? Who are the people you want to be associating with? And and I think all the, the four schools he was, you know, considering were strong in those areas, and, and I don't think he could have gone wrong. Um, but you and I both know that a lot of things change, and, you know, he's going to be gone on a mission for the next two years, and, and a lot of things change, and uh, who knows? I mean, you know, coaches all think they're going to be there, you know, going forward, but but things change, and, and I think he just evaluated day at a time, and, and uh, you know, I think he's comfortable with, with – going to school at BYU and, and where the program is right now. Um, they've got momentum and they've signed some really good other recruits. And, and uh, But we all know that things change rapidly in, in the world of college basketball. So I, I think you just take a day at a time and, and uh, you know evaluate it as, as things go along. While you're evaluating it, uh, evaluate his game for us and, and try not to be dad. Try to be that former jazz player and BYU star <laughs> who knows a lot about basketball. Don't sugarcoat it for us. Well, he, he's, uh, it's been so fun to watch for us because, you know, two years ago, um, kid was like six foot, slow feet, not very strong couldn't hardly stay in front of people um he always loved the game and worked really hard and you know had pretty good handles he played point guard as a sophomore um and that helped him because as he got stronger and grew he was able to keep a lot of those skills um i mean i think he can do a lot of things i think that uh he's he's a better athlete than i ever was and he's pretty versatile um he can get to the basket he, he had more dunks in his senior year than i had my whole career I think, and he just loved to. Once he figured out he could dunk, about end of his sophomore year, man, he just he just loved to do it. And uh, so it's it's been really fun to watch. Um, I think he's if he can continue to get stronger and and uh, and get you know increase his quickness, I think he's got a shot to be a pretty good player. You know, it's it's hard as an 18 year old. You don't want to put pressure on any any kid. Uh, just I just want to have a good experience, work hard, and and. Uh, think he's in a, a great situation, good program, and good people around him, and, and uh, hopefully it'll be a, a positive experience when he gets back from his mission. You specialize as a shooter, obviously, Andy, and took it to the highest level. How different is the game from when you played to now, where it seems like you got to be able to do a lot of things in order to be a player at a high caliber? Yeah, I, I think that the game is, is spread out a little more. Um, there's more of an emphasis on, you know, the three-pointer. Uh, they shoot a lot more now than they did when I played, and, and that's why I was able to play is because it started to become more important at that time. You know, they just uh, put in the three-point line when I was in college. Um, my freshman year, we didn't have a three-point line. And uh, so it's it's become a little more wide open. You know, there's an increased emphasis on, on not allowing physicality, you know, hand checks, um, so it's it's more of an offensive game, I think, uh, a little more open, and and I think uh, I think Tanner's skills, you know, fit well into the way the game has evolved, and and uh, you know, I just hope he can keep working hard and and have a good experience. Man, I'm just hearing Jerry Sloan. How many times are you going to make him work hard here? <laughs> well, and and he, he's uh, it comes pretty natural for him, so he really wants to work hard and get better. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's 
an issue for Tanner. He 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 just loves being in the gym and and working on his game and and uh, I know he's got a staff, coaching staff down there that, that you know expects that and wants that of their players and and uh, so hopefully it'll be a, a good fit and and uh, he'll be able to develop and be part of some really good teams. Last we saw of you in the public eye, you were an assistant coach, and there was a coaching change, and I remember talking to you at the time. You got out of it, you know, the the role of an assistant coach on the road and all that stuff. You wanted to be home more. And so, you know, that made sense. But how did you end up where you are up in Washington? You know, I took a job about five years ago with an investment firm that bought a business up here, and I was asked to come oversee a a liquidation grocery business up here in the Portland, Oregon, Vancouver, Washington area. And uh, it was a good experience. And, and uh, you know, we're still up here. We wanted to stay up here at least till Tanner graduated. And we'll kind of evaluate things over the next year or two and hopefully get back to Utah. I think we'll get back there at some point. We have, you know, our children are there. I got three grandkids going on four, soon to be four. And uh, so we'll, I think we'll probably get back there at some point here in the next year or two. I don't know if you can give us a little help or no help. I'd be surprised if you give us a lot, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, missions are changing, and you know that athletes have had their careers really impacted based on, on where they went and, you know, the diet and can you stay healthy. And if you get sick, what happens? And you, you can probably quote more stories than I can about that. Do you have any idea uh, what Tanner's future is there? Well, he, he got called to Jacksonville, Florida, so uh, he'll be leaving in July. And, uh, you know, it's all kind of up in the air right now as far as, um, you know, I don't know if he's going to report to the MTC in July yet, or I, I think that's still kind of, you know, a day-by-day thing. Um, I hope his mission president likes basketball. <laughs> I hope he'll be the fan and, and lets him, uh, you know, get his workouts in and, and continue to, you know, not get too far out of shape and, and keep his body healthy. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easier to do that here in the States than if you were in, you know, Asia or, you know, a poor country in South America or, you know, getting sick from the diet and that. But uh, he's, he's going to be in, in Jacksonville, Florida. So not too worried about that end of it. Have you been able to follow BYU and the job that Mark Pope has done? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I've obviously basketball runs in our blood, and and uh, my son Connor played for Mark Pope at UVU um, the last three years you know, before he took the BYU job, and and uh, so we've obviously you know keep a pretty close eye on on things and and uh, watch the program and still fans. Andy Toulson joining us here. I'm curious, using your basketball eye, you must have seen a lot of high school games and a lot of youth, you know, AAU stuff over the last few years. And and you mentioned, you know, obviously the three-pointer is becoming a big deal. I'm curious how many guys watch Steph Curry and try to play like him because I I just got this feeling that what he does is outrageous and mind-bending now, but in 10 years there could be a lot of guys trying to do that. Are you seeing that with 14, 15, 16-year-olds these last few years? Well, like I said, I, I think the game is more uh, spread out. You know, the three-pointers become a much bigger part of it. Um, you know, I don't think that kids that age are, are very proficient all the time. 
they're not that good at it, you know. Right. So it's there's not too many people like Steph Curry that can shoot it like he does, and you know the quick release. And uh, but yeah, I think he's definitely influenced the evolution of basketball and, and the way kids you know want to play and and uh, you know up and down and, and quick quick threes and, and score a lot of points. And uh, so yeah, I, I I think the games continue to evolve that way and uh, a lot of good players it's it's been been fun yeah, obviously you've seen a lot a lot of games over the past uh, 10 15 years yeah no doubt that well you're going to see a few BYU games going forward apparently Andy congratulations tell Tanner congratulations and uh, thanks for coming on the air with us thanks guys appreciate it Andy Toulson, former BYU basketball star, former jazz player, and his son Tanner is now committed to BYU. And PK, two years always seems like a long time in college basketball. A lot of stuff changes over two years. But, man, two years really seems like a long time right now. <laughs> in what way? What do you mean? Well, who knows what college basketball will look like in two years, where coaches will be. Will there, will there be more coaches moving or will there be less because there'll be you know, fewer buyouts and fewer jobs open so coaches stay put? And is the season going to stay where it is? Is it going to change? Or Two years, I don't think we'll have a lot of conference realignment. It just seems like who knows what the next two years will bring. Yeah, I understand that. I think it's a real issue for Mark Pope because it seems to be that this guy has something going on. And I've I've told you that uh, guys I know in the community that I really trust, and I think you do too, you have your guys and I have my guys and some of the guys overlap. And one of the guys that we both have is Travis Hansen. And Travis told me a while back that uh, Mark Pope, watch out for him. He's got what it's going on. What, what, what he has is what you need to succeed. And I can remember bugging Travis during the coaching search, and, and finally he got irritated at me, and he said, I told you that the job is Mark Pope's. Now leave me alone and quit bugging me because it's going to be Mark Pope's job. And then I've, I've since had conversations with him going forward and uh, about you – know, Mark Pope looks like he's really good. And Travis told me he's told BYU, hold on to this guy. But he recognizes the situation and money talks. And BYU, we know, is only going to go so high. Well, some of these other places, they're going to go, they're so high is really so high. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just way more. So you know, what is going to happen there? I think it's a concern. It's not like you know BYU fans need to be fretting about it every day, but I think it's real. And uh, two years, I, that's why I asked Andy, do yeah. you commit to a coach? Do you commit to a school? Because two years, you know, that's a long time from now, particularly if he builds upon the success. I mean, they had big-time success this year. That win over, over Gonzaga at home was as great as it's get. I mean, that, that's as good as it gets in a home atmosphere with 18,000 people. We all saw that. It was just absolutely awesome. So, And Pope has been around, too. Man, he's not some guy that just came up through the Utah ranks. This guy knows people all over the country, obviously. And, you know, whatever you think of Patino, fine. But Patino knows basketball. And if Patino is recommending Mark Pope, I think you're going to listen. Uh, so it's going to be a concern. And, I mean, I want him to stay as much as everybody else because he's a great interview. He makes himself available. He's a fun guy. And he's a winner. He's won every place where he's gone. There's no doubt about it. But BYU's got to do what they can 
when that time comes, because it's going to come. Yep. I mean, it came with Dave Rose. It came with Steve, Steve Cleveland. <laughs> it came with Bronco Mendenhall. It's the old Chris Hill line. You know, I want other teams to come after my coaches because that means my coaches are doing really well. And we all saw what happened with Colorado. I know when we talk about stuff like this, you know, and then the social media stuff ends up following with, you guys don't know, he loves it here. But I think it's happened so much that even the most hardcore BYU fan who would love to get on social media and argue with the media, you don't really know. But we all saw what happened with the Colorado football coach who didn't win. He showed the promise of potentially winning later on. And Michigan State's got a problem, and they swoop in with a big check, and they take him after one year of not being bowl eligible. So then you switch over here, and here's a team that hasn't gone to the NCAA tournament four years in a row, and they go. Now, how many more times, how many more seasons does he have? Like, I think Mark's going to be really good at BYU. Well, how can it possibly play out any other way? People are going to come out of him with a big check. Now, hey, BYU and BYU boosters Annie up, and he likes his situation, and the grass isn't always greener. It doesn't mean he can't stay. But it's like you said, you know offers are coming. An offer came for Steve Cleveland because the team was in trouble, and Steve was the right answer. And Fresno State was in trouble. And the offer came from Dave Rose. Dave, come home. Steve, come home. Bronco, it wasn't home, but they had a problem halfway across the country. And he was the answer. And they were right. They've gone from 2-10 and 10 to 9-5 and five in the Orange Bowl. So it's going to happen. Yeah. I would say two-thirds across the country rather than halfway. Yeah, okay. I know halfway is a, right, a phrase, but I would go two-thirds. And, and, and suppose Channel 13 came after you with a big money offer. What do you do? Well, you've got to make it big, bigger, biggest, and then you know eventually money talks. <laughs> and then it goes two-thirds. Leverage, PK. And then it goes two-thirds of the way across the city. <laughs> <laughs> gonna... Oh, so I see what you do. Gonna, you go back to turn. Channel 2. Oh, yeah. You could you go back to Channel 2 and say, hey, match it. Oh, look at him. He's already using Channel 13. So shrewd. What a businessman you are. PK, did we not have – you were complaining slash whining a long time ago, and I said leverage. It was a short answer. It wasn't one of my long stories. It was a short answer. And then you got leverage, and what happened? You quit the trib. (laughs) Well, I took the offer. I didn't go back and ask for more. I didn't see. That's what I didn't think of. That's why you've got the business mind, and I don't. I just took what they gave me, and I said, thank you. I kissed them on the back of the hand. You Should go back and the, leverage even more money. Let's pull the curtain all the way back. You didn't go back and ask. You just doubled down. Well, hit this number, and I'm in. <laughs> With the Which original offer, yes. Yeah. Well, that's because I had you in my ear. I wouldn't have known I, what to do. You had, you had me in one ear and Gordon in the other. <laughs> that's that's a lot of noise. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK, we are brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. All right, when we come back, your feedback. A lot of you weighing in this morning on some of these topics, and we'll get to them next. Everything from The Last Dance to uh, Booth Gotch transferring to whatever else you want to talk about, we will hit it next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. I think David's right. I think dramatic conference realignment is coming. There's no point in a team like USC or Texas bringing up teams that are just losing them money. They can make a lot more money on their own. Here's Steven weighing in his feedback, and it is brought to you by 
Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $359 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Well, I think there is something that those schools provide, and I think that the, the big dogs value that in is they provide wins. And I think the big yeah. dogs are a little afraid of getting into a group where it's only big dogs because then somebody's got to go six and six and somebody's got to go three and nine. And they're all in favor of Iowa State and Oregon State going three and nine. Not them. So I think that's <laughs> the thing you give up is, yes, you can put it all together. But Texas has gone, what, a de- more than a decade now without a conference football title, right? I was going to say Iowa State's better than Texas right now. Yeah. Texas has gone a decade and UCLA's gone two decades. So careful what you wish for. Washington had a what, 15-year-ish run without one. I mean, you were th- wouldn't you think, PK, that if they were going to take f- – well, they'd probably take if, – if the Pac-12 and the Big 12 combined, because uh, you've got to factor in travel here, right? But ASU, USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, those five would be slam dunks, given the markets they're in and the history and tradition most of them have. Uh, you know, obviously your ASU tradition, you know, isn't what Oregon and USC have been able to, to pile up. But all of a sudden you're thinking, don't forget the 19th, hey, don't forget the 1975 Sporting News National Championship. I didn't. That's why I said not what they've been able to pile up. You got that. <laughs> it's something. It's just not what they've been able to pile up. So it's I think a lot. that it's everything. You know, that's what they got. But I, you know, I can't. What was the what was the guy who sent in that audio? Stephen. Stephen. I can't totally dismiss what Stephen says. There could be more consolidation, and whether that would be a 12, 14, or 16-team league. There's so much travel. There's a part of me that thinks that if they did it, they ought to do it with eight teams from each league and try to minimize the travel where, yeah, yeah, you're one league for TV negotiating purposes, but you got seven games that are still the traditional league, and then you play one or two crossovers. Um, I think as leagues get bigger, it, it just has to go that way. So... You know, get more markets, and in that solution, in that situation, maybe there's a way for Utah to to grab a spot. You know, and a lot of things have to happen, and we're probably five years away from it. We can probably worry about something else before we get to that. But see, what I've always thought is that if, as far as the football stuff, they should view football differently. And what I mean by that mm-hmm. is, you don't have to have athletic conferences where all your sports are in the same conference. Why couldn't you have two, three, four? associations depending on your particular sports you know why does the tennis team need to go up to seattle to play you know why couldn't they have more of a regional thing that would allow them to cut costs so you have a football conference and you call it whatever you call it and then you have maybe two or three others for your other uh, dozen or so 16 athletic programs that you offer and so you report to different entities based on the sport to me that's what always has made sense to save cash if there's enough financial pressure from you know the whole coronavirus pandemic and if this impacts not only one school year but multiple school years maybe that'll happen you and i are both old enough to know that in the 70s and 80s that happened just between men's and women's sports and then the women's leagues all reorganized along the line of the men's leagues. But if there's enough financial pressure, then maybe that could happen. 
And it might start in other places than here, because here you, you can kind of have a taste with it. With you know, Dixie State going Division One, there are going to be more D ones. Now, there's a wide range of talent and you know different sports in D one, and not everybody plays the same sport. So there's some factors to overcome. But having lived in Southern California and Northern California, you know that those athletic departments could basically turn most of their sports into bus leagues and save a lot of money and still play a lot of good teams and a lot of quality teams. Right. Now, not everyone can do that. You know, Arizona's got, what, three or four, I guess four now, D1 schools. Maybe five, actually. It might be a small private school coming online there. But, um, you yeah. know, football's its own deal. And, and there are other sports. Maybe you would keep men's basketball in the same league as football. It does seem like there's money to be saved there. And, you know, when the choices do what Akron did, Akron cut three teams yesterday. And I don't think anybody thinks Akron is going to be the last school to do that. You know, they, they did away with three sports. I think that you have to watch for a burgeoning power in Arizona. Watch out for the University of Phoenix. The University of Phoenix? Yeah, they're starting small, but they're going to be probably by the year 2030, I think they're going to be big time. University of Phoenix, have you heard of them? Yeah, I've heard of them, but... I don't think they're going to be big time. Uh, Tom tweets at us, hey, you two should do top five Utah basketball transfers. If I click on Tom, will he be a, Ute, a mad Ute or a laughing cougar? <laughs> Disinterested Aggie? Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, I don't see anything in his uh, timeline that really tips me off yet. I have to, um, I'll have to see there's not a lot of sports in his timeline. There's a lot of music. So, all right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands of Scotty are coming up next. We'll see you Sunday night on Talking Sports, and we'll discuss whatever it is Michael Jordan has to say about Stockton and Malone and Sloan and the Jazz. We'll see you on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone back here Monday morning from 6 to 10.